Father in heaven, we're so thankful that we can even come into your presence and stand before you. And we know, Lord God, that we could never do this were it not for the blood and sacrifice accomplished by the perfect work of Christ on the cross. Lord, we praise your name forever, and you are truly the only king. And we pray that as we proclaim your good news today, as we look to the hope that it brings and the way it impacts us, that we will never forget how great and gracious and glorious you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was once a child with very low self-esteem. He had very little interest in the normal activities of childhood, but a love for drawing and painting kept him going. In his adult life, he actually only sold one painting his entire life, and as a result, he lived in a constant state of poverty and eventually succumbed to a difficult and painful death from epilepsy. In the year 2017, however, one of his paintings sold for $81.3 million. That painting was The Laborer Dons Un Champ by Vincent Van Gogh. You see, sometimes the greatest work of our life is not recognized until we're gone. Jesus, getting ready to go to the cross, told his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Today, this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, what we're going to talk about is the resurrection. And of course, it's a grand and glorious event for God himself. But as human beings who are often self-interest driven, we want to ask the question, what does it mean for us? Like, how does this benefit me? And I think this will be a very encouraging sermon for all of us today, particularly as we're at home or in different locations, we are thinking about the impact of COVID on our culture and society and what things will look like going forward. And depending on your emotional state or how you're feeling today, it could be pretty difficult. In fact, I think this sermon is the perfect sermon for someone like me or maybe someone like you who has suddenly become a homeschooler overnight. Or maybe it's for the person who's struggling to work from home and there's so many distractions and things pulling at you and you're having a hard time separating home from work. Or maybe you're just down in your basement doing your job and no one else sees it and no one has any idea how hard you work. The encouraging word that we have for you today that comes from the text of Scripture and the core and foundation of the Christian faith is that the Lord will reward. The Lord will reward. Every bowl of cereal, every glass of water, every diaper change, every report filed, 
every extra minute and effort and hour that you put in that nobody else knows about, the Lord will reward. So I want to ask the question today as we look at that foundational truth, who, what, when, where, why, and how? Those are questions we ask almost instinctively or intuitively of nearly anything. And so as I make this big statement that no matter what, God will reward you, I want you to have those answers in hand and in pocket so you can feel confident and assured that the Lord will reward. That's the way we'll approach today's text. If you're taking notes, you can just write those things down. Who, what, when, where, why, and how the Lord will reward. We're going to find those answers in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. It's talking about a blessed hope. If you have Bibles in front of you, whether it's your iPhone or maybe it's an actual paper copy, whatever it is, I'd invite you to open it up to the first chapter beginning in the third verse. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay too. My recommendation is to close your eyes and just listen to these beautiful words that the Holy Spirit told the Apostle Peter to write down. And each word was chosen specifically for you today. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 3. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is like this. It's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept where nothing else can mess with it in heaven for you who are being kept not by your own power but by God's power guarded through faith for a salvation that is just sitting there and ready to be revealed at the last time. In this we rejoice, nothing else, but in this we rejoice. Though for a little while, admittedly, if necessary, you have been grieved by many various difficult trials, so that the end result is the tested genuineness of our faith, which is actually more precious than gold. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the final outcome of our souls, the salvation of our souls. Now from the message version of 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says this. With all this going for us, dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves fully into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Because the Lord will reward The Lord will reward. If you get nothing else from this message today, church, hear this. The Lord will reward. Now let's start with the first question, the who. Who will the Lord reward? Does he just reward everybody evenly? 
or is it a little bit different? How does this work? Because we all want rewarded and we want to know who it is. Who is it that you reward, Lord? Well, the answer is in verse 3 where it specifically says those who have been born again. Now, I don't know where you're at in regard to your faith walk or your journey or the Christian life. It's very possible that you've used that term for a long time and you don't know exactly what it means. It's also possible that you're coming from the outside and you're thinking, boy, those Christians are crazy. They talk about being born again. Well, that's exactly the way Nicodemus felt when he talked to Jesus. This Pharisaic ruler, this Pharisee, came to Jesus at night and he's asking him, hey, how do I get into the kingdom? How do I get this inheritance? How do I end up in the place that I want to be? And Jesus says to him, you've got to be born again. He's like, what? Born again? What are you talking about, man? Can a man go into his mother's womb and be born again? Of course not. Jesus explains to him slowly but surely in his beautiful and enigmatic way what it means. And basically it's this. is look, folks, when you are born, admittedly, if you're alive now, that means you are born alive. At some point, you are alive physically. But because of sin, what happens is when you are Physically alive, you are yet spiritually dead. Just because you were born physically doesn't mean you've been born spiritually. In fact, it's just the opposite. The curse of sin that came into our world at the beginning of creation is that everybody dies, spiritually initially and physically eventually. And so when you're born physically, you are not necessarily born spiritually. You're still dead spiritually. And to have eternal life, to live forever, to get the forgiveness of sins and everything we hope for, you have to become alive spiritually. Otherwise, it never happens. So when Christians say, or when the Bible says, be born again, it really means that. It's a second birth. It's not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. It's a thing that occurs after you've come alive physically. Later, you come alive spiritually. So how does that happen? Well, the way in which the Bible describes it is that God sends his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to us. And he begins to call us. And he convicts us. And as he does so, the person who is chosen or elected or destined by God to become one of his begins to turn and they come alive and they realize, wow, I'm made for something more. There is something beyond me. I'm chosen. I'm special. I'm unique. I want to go there. But they realize that they can't on their own. They, they're messed up and going there is, is too much. And so the Holy Spirit convicts them and they recognize their sin and their dirt. And they're hurt. And the only proper response then, when we feel that, when we sense that, when we realize that, is to repent. It's not to lie to ourselves or convince ourselves that we're better than what we are. Instead, it's to say, no, we really are broken. We hurt. We need help. And it's kind of hard. No, it's very hard to admit we're wrong because it's embarrassing and we got to be vulnerable. We know what people will do when they find out all the bad things we've done, but God is not like that. He already knows all the bad things you've done. He knows them just like, I mean, the back of his hand, everything he knows. So there's no sense hiding. You might as well, if you feel that conviction, that tug in your spirit, go ahead and lay it all bare before him and repent. 
Say you're sorry. When you're convicted of your sins, go for it and repent. And then after you repent, you've got to believe the promises of God that he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, that Jesus' blood is more precious than every one of your sins, that his sacrifice is more effective and his resurrection is more powerful than anything you've ever done. And when you repent of that bad stuff and you believe in that good stuff, then God comes into your life and causes a change to happen called being born again. And you are changed forever. That is what it means to be born again. And so who will the Lord reward? The Bible over and over again says those who are born again, not those who are dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're we're dead. We can't wake up spiritually. We need God to do what we cannot. He makes us alive. God will reward those who are born again. Cool. Okay. Well, if I've never been born again, I invite you to believe in Jesus today for the very first time, like this moment, this instant, get on your knees, pray and repent. But if you have been born again, then let me encourage you. You've been born to something. And first Peter says that birth is to an inheritance you've been born into a new family and this new family is not like your old one this is the wealthy one this is the king's family this is the good place to be this is where we want to be born to this inheritance that is imperishable undefiled unfading and kept in heaven for you where nothing else can mess it up you're born into a wealthy family once you're born again you're born to an inheritance now that's a bit different than what we think of we think of you know, inheritance, and we think of cha-ching, make it rain, money, money, money. That's not exactly what the Bible's talking about. Instead, what the Bible is talking about here is this outcome of our faith, described as a salvation of our souls. In other words, this recreation of all that is good and the destruction of all that is bad, the overcoming evil with good, the bodily resurrection and the guarantee of perfection that just like Jesus was raised from the dead, so too will we be. And just like Jesus was healed from his wounds, so too will we be. And just like he got a resurrected body, so too will we be. And just like he is free from sin, so too will we be. We will never hurt. We will never desire to hurt anyone else. We will never desire to serve ourselves first ever again when we are totally free from this sinful self that is killed and put to death and raised to new life. That is where we want to be. The happy saint whose pleasures are awakened to the glory of God. Constant place of feeling good all the time. What are we born again to? An inheritance. Man, the faith. The outcome of your your faith. The salvation of your souls. Number one, we're born again. Number two, who? Born again. Number two, what? To an inheritance. And number three, when? The answer is at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse seven. Who? The born again. What? The inheritance. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, We hear the word revelation and perhaps you've heard about end time prophecies and you see some weirdo standing on the corner with long hair doing stuff that's crazy and you think, whatever, those kooks. No, here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible makes all these promises and everything that's ever promised has has been coming true, is coming true, or will come true for sure and for certain. And the promised Messiah has already come, but the Bible also promises that he'll come back again. 
He's completed the work of redemption with regard to forgiveness of sins, but he has not completed the work of redemption with regard to the recreation of the world. And we look forward to that future state because that's where we want to be, in the Garden of Eden, in the reality that is God dwelling with man. And what the Bible tells us is that in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, by the way, 1 Corinthians 15, excellent passage on the resurrection. If you want to go back this week in your devotion and look up some Easter stuff, 1 Corinthians 15. So here's what it says in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. A mystery. What is it, Paul? We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. The word revelation actually comes from the Greek word apocalypse. And the image in my mind is not necessarily this great exploding weird new world but instead it's more like a curtain being pulled back the word means an unveiling it is christ waiting to return to this earth and when he does and he is revealed then everything will change when will the lord reward yes the lord will reward when will he reward when jesus comes back that's important for us to remember because a lot of times we think oh it's going to be in my life no, no, no. The Bible doesn't always say that. Anyone who tells you that's the case, watch out. They're about to ask for your money. The reality is, God's promise is that the reward comes, the greatest reward, at the revelation of Jesus Christ at His second coming. All right, so who, what, when, who, the born again, what, an inheritance, when, when Jesus comes back, where, You've probably already figured this out. It's a new heavens, a new earth. This world isn't good enough. We already know it's broken. It's all messed up. But in the book called Revelation, which the Apostle John wrote, he says this regarding the future. This is the vision that Christ gave him in the last chapter. This is the end, the grand finale, the climax. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. and The sea was no more. I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Here is the verse that we all know and love. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain for all the former things have passed away. The Lord will reward where? In the new heavens, in the new earth. Who? The born again. What? An inheritance. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where? In the new heavens and the new earth. Now, that's really cool, not something to look forward to. And I'm super excited about that, and I hope you are too. But I think as you read that, you might want to ask the question, well, why? (laughs) You know, why would Jesus do all of this? The answer is not because we're good. In fact, in verse 3, it says, only, only, only because of his great mercy. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says it like this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, 
We didn't save ourselves. There's not good in every one of us. Humanity is not like that. But instead, he saved us not because of works done by us in our righteousness, but according to his great mercy. Look, anyone that tells you humanity is inherently good is incredibly wrong. That is a lie from the pit of hell itself. If you look at World War II, you look at Hitler, you look at some of the things going on in the world today, you see how evil people can actually be. And it is not because there's something good in them. Instead, we are spiritually dead. And the only reason we can ever be forgiven is because of the incredibly great mercy of God. It is only by the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord will reward. Who, what, where, when, why, how? How? Well, this is actually the hard part because I think if you're like me, that means you're weird. But if you're like me, there are some things we share in common. And one of them is this, is that we want results now. One of the things I want to see is the work of my hands blessed. I want to see the fruit of my labor. I want to see returns on all the hard work and effort and sacrifice that I've done. And if you're like me, I'm sure that's the case. But what if you're Vincent Van Gogh and you never see anything and it's not until you die and go away that the world recognizes your genius. The reality is that in this world, there are no guarantees. Yes, normally God blesses hard work, but not always. Instead, the guarantee of God is that your efforts will be rewarded even if they're buried and forgotten about. Why? Because of the resurrection. You see, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Our efforts, no matter how good they are, still may not pay off in this life. But even if they don't, even if they are put to death and killed and buried beneath six feet of soil, they still produce good fruit. That's through the resurrection or because of the resurrection, just like Jesus, so too will we. Because of the resurrection, we can be poured out without any acknowledgement of our work whatsoever and be assured that it will come back around. Every good for evil exchange, every sacrifice, every time you compensate for someone else or do something that goes unnoticed, that will be rewarded. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. How will the Lord reward us? Through the resurrection. I hope your efforts pay off in this life. I hope mine do, but most of them may not. But because we see Jesus hanging on the cross, 
being rejected by the very people he came to save and going into the ground and coming out again, we know that even if in our life everything we ever do that is good is completely rejected, there is hope for the future. Because Christ came to save and raise us from the dead. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? The Lord will reward. I hope this encourages you today. I know it encourages me. And I thought I might try something a little bit different today. I'm hoping it's fun. I'm the only guy here in this room, so I have no idea how it's going to land in your room. But just humor me and go with it. Because the reality is, the only people with you in your room right now are probably your family. So it's impossible for you to be embarrassed because they already know, if you're like me, how silly you already are. And so what I'm going for this morning is a little bit of an old school revival. I want to take that theme we've been talking about and build it up a little bit and massage it in and encourage your soul. And so this is a chance for you to participate, even if you're not used to that. Maybe you're used to a big, quiet, sacred, sanctified room where everybody sits like this and nobody talks. Now you're at home and it's not like that. You've probably heard loud music or other things going on. So this is your chance to have a little fun. And I want you to say it with me. The Lord will reward. I can't hear you from where I'm sitting, but I'm hoping on Sunday morning when we're all sitting down together, I'm going to hear people screaming and shouting, the Lord will reward. So say it with me now, this time a little bit more like you mean it. The Lord will reward. That's right. Go ahead, keep going. This is like a southern revival. I want to hear you say something like, the Lord will reward. Look at your brother. Look at your sister. And say it to him now. The Lord will reward. Look at your mother. Look at your father. And say it to him now. The Lord will reward. Look at your husband. Look at your wife. Look at anybody in the room and stand up and sit down and move around and shake your hands and say, Glory, hallelujah, the Lord will reward. Do you believe it? I may look a little bit silly right now. I have no idea. But if I did, that's fine. I really hope you get this point. The Lord will reward. In summary, what are you trying to say to me, Pastor Jeremy, today? I don't know, not me, but God, First Timothy, sorry, First Peter chapter 3. The Lord will reward every glass of water, every cup of milk, every picked up sock, every lost shoe, every extra email, every report filed, every video edited, every question answered, every complaint fielded, every time you overcome evil with good, every time you do the right thing, every time you turn the other cheek and look the other way, the Lord will reward. Even if your efforts are buried in the ground, the Lord will reward. Who? The born again. What? An inheritance kept for you in heaven that is undefiled, unfading, and imperishable. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where? 
in the new heavens and the new earth. Why? Because of his great mercy. And how? Only through the incredible power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With all this going for us, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves fully into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. For the Lord will reward you. Father, I thank you for your only Son, Jesus, who died on the cross and rose from the grave for the forgiveness of our sins. He's absolutely perfect and does everything right, and I'm nowhere close and not. Mess up every day, I sin, I hurt the ones I love the most. I bring shame in my fallen nature that you've already killed back to the front. I pray that you would help me to put it to death, that we would mortify the flesh again and again, over and over again. We will overcome evil with good, use soft answers to turn away wrath, and love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, when we do this, we are so blessed. We are so encouraged. We are so strengthened by the fact that Jesus, who died for our sins, has been raised and is coming again. Through his resurrection, through his power, through his might, and looking forward to his return, we are so thankful that you will reward. God, as we get ready to... um, Finish our worship today. We pray that you would bless each and every individual house. That you give us joy as we get up off our couches and out of our chairs. Assurance. that No good deed ever goes unnoticed. And no evil ever goes unchecked. And the hope in the everlasting God who saved our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.